time for re-engineering your finances with the founder of CP Weldy Group, Charles Weldy. What is the secret to retirement success? Could it be just simply getting out of your own way? Well, we're going to talk about it on today's show. Welcome to Re-Engineering Your Finances. I'm Walter Storholt alongside Charles Weldy, founder, certified financial planner at CP Weldy Group, serving you in the Delaware and Chester County areas with an office in Chad's Ford, PA, on Route 52. You can find us online at cpweldygroup.com. Charles, uh, get out of your own way. That's probably pretty good advice, uh, financial or anything, really, right? Absolutely. Sometimes we, you know, our biggest uh, problem is getting in our own way and not really looking at things objectively and following them through. Yes, we're going to get philosophical. We're going to look inward on today's show. So uh, there are plenty of external factors that often negatively influence our chances of having maybe a successful retirement, but often failure does come from within. So we're going to dedicate today's episode to talking about some of the common ways people get in their own way when it comes to financial planning. And hopefully, if you listen in closely today, it'll help prevent you from kind of tripping over yourself and messing up your own retirement. So we've got five ways that we often see people get in their own way. And uh, Charles has the tips for how we can reverse that and get out of the way of our retirement success. So number one, Charles, is to allow fear or greed to cause us to buy or sell at the wrong time. That's a great example of getting in your own way, right? Yeah, but I would say this, Walter. I mean, you know, we can feel the fear or feel the greed, but as long as we don't act on it, I think we'll be okay. So what do I mean by that? I mean, we're all human beings. We're wired the same. I mean, you know, fear, when I think of fear, especially when it comes to investments, it's generally when the market's down, uh, you know, uh, we always have this inward conversation. This time it's different. It's never going to come back. And, you know, sometimes, you know, uh, the fear will cause us to, you know, make a decision that, you know, we will later regret because uh, if we pull money out of something that went down in value, chances are, um, you know, we're putting it in a safer place and that safer place is going to take forever and a day to come back to where it would have came back had we just left it where it was. So uh, fear, it's definitely a, a trait of being human. You know, a lot of us fear volatility. But if we really like took an objective view of volatility, volatility is the price that we pay in order to get that premium return. So generally speaking, in some fixed income instruments, there's little or I I don't want to say no, there's very little, um, you know, volatility in certain high quality short instrument fixed income uh, investments. But obviously, we can't rely on that in our retirement planning investing because, you know, generally speaking, some of these safer investments, their rate of return is maybe north of one, but like south of 3%. So basically, that's not going to do it for most people. We have to take some of our dollars and invest it in stocks. And if stocks historically have done, say, north of six, the question begs like, hey, how come we just don't put our money in stocks? And the reason being is fear. It's a, it's a human emotion. Volatility, it's a reality with stocks. And, you know, we really need maybe a behavioral coach, someone like yours truly, uh, to actually like voice, be the voice of reason when these things occur. And they occur more often than people think. I mean, the reality of it is since World War II, there's been 13, one, three bear markets, which means that, hey, your return, your, uh, your account balance is going to go down maybe by a minimum of 20%. And the average of those uh, 13 bear markets has been 
uh, I believe, north of 30 percent. So um, fear is, you know, uh, a basic human instinct. Um, and, you know, with the help of a trusted advisor, he or she can be your behavioral coach to kind of talk you off the ledge when things are looking dismal. Uh, the other side of fear is greed. You know, obviously, we're all human and there's a greed factor, I think, present in just about everyone. I mean, you know, I come from a family of uh, 10 brothers and sisters. And, you know, uh, I just remember when I was about, I don't know, four or five years old, maybe six or seven, rather. You know, at that time, I only had like maybe four siblings and my and myself and my mom only made like uh, four or five chocolate puddings. And there was one short. So she said, hey, you know, uh, who who in the family wants to be a martyr? And right away, I raised my hand without even thinking. And I'm the guy that didn't get the chocolate pudding. So, you know, greed is present in every one of us. And when it comes to investing, sometimes the greed is, hey, you know, um, I projected six or seven on my equities. I've gotten 12, 14, and I'm going to keep on riding that baby until, you know, it gets to 20%, which probably will never happen. So I think, again, just to get back to the basics, uh, when it comes to fear and greed, you're really talking about behavioral issues and a good financial advisor, he or she will help you plan for, you know, the fear, plan for the greed rather than to react to it. Another uh, great couple of points there to make, Charles, and absolutely a great perspective on fear and greed. Interesting relationship between those and financial success. Uh, What about uh, number two here, uh, ways to get out of your own way when it comes to retirement success? Making bad investment choices in an effort to save money on taxes. I mean, saving money on taxes is a good thing, but uh, do you see people kind of like tripping over themselves to do that in such a way that they make bad investment choices because of it? I do see that, but I don't think most people are aware of it. And what I mean by that is um, if like 10 people came into my office, chances are probably nine out of 10, if I looked at their investments, they would have the bulk of their investments in pre-tax accounts. And pre-tax accounts, Walter, are IRAs, you know, 403Bs. 401ks, tax-deferred accounts mean, hey, when we put the money in, as a general rule, we'll get a deduction for what we put in. But when we are scheduled to take it out, we're going to get taxed, you know, at whatever income tax rate, you know, is present when we take it out. So what I find is people blindly are just like putting as much as they possibly can away in their 401ks, IRAs, 403bs. And there comes a time when, hey, you know, how much is too much? Uh, And what I mean by that is, uh, when people retire, if they had a million dollars in their retirement account pre-tax and they're age 72, which is the current age now uh, for people that are, you know, once they hit 72, they're required to take money out whether they need it or not. As a general rule, the percentage is 4%. So now I've got 40,000, which is 4% of a million dollars coming out at age 72, most likely on top of two social security checks if I'm married, myself and my spouse and any other income that I'm generating. And it could put me in the 25, 28% tax bracket. And gee, when I was working, what tax bracket was I in? Was I in the 22%? Was I in the 25%? Was I in the 12%? And now that I'm retired, I'm in the 25, 28. So it might not make sense to continue to keep on like putting money in a 401k IRA when there might be other alternatives like a Roth or maybe after tax account or, you know, Life insurance is an asset class. If most people knew a little bit more about it or had an open mind, they might, you know, take some of those dollars in that tax deferred account, reallocate it to a tax free account like life insurance. 
So, um, you know, the reality of it is, is I do see bad investment choices, but not by um, being aware, but by being unaware that, hey, you know what? Uh, I have a silent partner in Uncle Sam and down the road, as I'm required to take out a certain percentage of this account each and every year, maybe that account is too large and I should be like pruning it, uh, you know, over the next five, six, seven years so that when I reach age 72, I'm just taking out enough to keep me in a lower tax bracket. Two good tips so far for how to get out of your own way. Uh, Maybe the secret to retirement success here. Third one is to uh, kind of analyze the situation when maybe leaving too much money in cash for too long because you've procrastinated instead of actively deciding what to do with it pops up as an issue. Do you have uh, people leaving too much money in cash from time to time, Charles? I do. And again, like, you know, if it's like pre-tax money that's kind of in the bank, you know, I mean, maybe I'm not really that upset because I can, you know, again, like people are human and there's a lot of volatility today and they're waiting for, you know, maybe the bottom of the market to hit. But the problem is that they don't ring the bell that says, hey, we're at the bottom. But where I really like get perturbed is when I see people that have retirement accounts and they have a lot of money in cash or short term uh, intermediate term bonds that really aren't growing uh, much at all and really are losing their purchasing power. You know, where I want to go here is like, hey, I remember it probably was about three to five years ago. We have a a community, retirement community near my office where uh, one of my clients, uh, who was an elderly woman, had $300,000 in a bank account. And uh, when I met with her and I said, hey, you know, uh, let me see your monthly bank statement. It looked like they were paying gumballs uh, each and every month, like $25, you know, $30 a month on like a $300,000 account. It was kind of ridiculous. So I said, hey, you know, when will the money be needed and who's it for? And she said, you know what? I don't really need the money, but I'm just afraid of investing it. So what we did, Walter, is we put it in a, a five-year annuity. And it was getting, at the time, it was paying 3%. So 3% of like 300 grand is what? $9,000 a year. So what I said is I said, hey, you know, I'll call this lady, Mary. I said, Mary, let's put it in this five-year annuity. You got liquidity. You can take out so much per year. You know, actually, this particular instrument, you can take out 90% of your money over five years. So liquidity wasn't an issue. But uh, better yet, we're going to make 3% as opposed to like making nothing at the bank. And she says, well, I really don't need it. You know, I says, well, how many grandchildren do you have? She says, I have four or five grandchildren. I said, look, 3%. Of uh, 300 grand, $9,000 a year, divided by 12, 750 a month. What I want you to do is I, I'm going to set it up where every month, instead of like $25, $30 going into your bank account, which is currently happening with the rates you're getting at the bank, we're going to have the interest that you're making on this annuity go into your bank account. And I want you to start gifting it to your three or four grandchildren. And she started doing that. And uh, I mean, really what we did, Walter, is we just took money from the left pocket, put it in the right pocket, and we created $9,000 a year of additional income, which really benefited not only her, but her uh, grandchildren. And, um, you know, again, um, you know, getting back to leaving too much money in cash, you know, there's always something that you can do to maybe enhance your return as long as like, hey, you don't really need but X amount of dollars. Let's shift the remaining money into, you know, another short term instrument that might be paying something that will at least help us keep abreast with inflation. That's a good one, Charles. I love uh, kind of hearing your thoughts on that battle of too much cash because it certainly now doesn't sound like a bad thing to have a lot of money in cash, but we can see some of the inefficiencies there and some relatively easy solutions to a problem like that. So good way to get out of your own way there as well. 
All right, number four, overthinking every decision to the point that, uh, you know it, you never make a decision at all. I think we've all been guilty of this at some point in our lives, whether it be about where to go to eat, (laughs) Charles, or, uh, you know, our finances. Yeah, so, I mean, you know, over-analysis equals paralysis, right? I mean, we all, again, we're all human and we all, like, kind of, like, are wired the same way. But, you know, the reality of it is, is, um, you know, just when I look at people's accounts and, like, I make recommendations, uh, you know, I'm only making recommendations really because they're under-diversified. Maybe they have too much uh, money's concentrated in one security. Uh, maybe their stock fixed income allocation's out of whack. I mean, even today, um, you know, we always thought that fixed income was a buffer on an investment account. Yeah, we don't want all our money in high, high volatility stock. We have to have some in fixed income. But even today, with interest rates rising, uh, some of these like accounts that we thought were secure in terms of principal now are losing principal because interest rates are going up. Uh, so, you know, if someone was open-minded to like, hey, you know what, maybe traditional fixed income is really not the place to be. Maybe there's another alternative. Would you be open to like listening and challenging me on the advantages and disadvantages of this other alternative? These are conversations I've had with my clients. And uh, for the most part, like three out of four clients are implementing my recommendations because they really see for sure that you know, not only are we experiencing downturns in the equity markets, we're experiencing downturns in the fixed income markets also. You know, overthinking with Roth conversions. I mean, everybody, not everybody, but most people realize like, hey, taxes are probably going to be higher in the future than they are now. Um, you know, whatever you have in your retirement account, you do have a silent partner in Uncle Sam. Let's quantify what you owe Uncle Sam if you are no longer here tomorrow. And let's like work on a plan that possibly could minimize that liability over time. And a lot of people, you know, hey, you know, they agree with everything. But when it comes time to write that check on a $100,000 Roth conversion at 22%, a $22,000 check, people tend to procrastinate or freeze up or not follow through. Uh, And again, you know, I'm not a therapist. I'm a a financial planner. Uh, Sometimes people overanalyze it. I mean, here's the easiest way to analyze whether you should be prepaying your taxes on your IRAs or not. Uh, whatever balance you have, Walter, in your retirement account, you and your spouse, uh, that hasn't been taxed yet, I want you to just multiply that figure by 25%. So let's just use an example. Let's just say you had a million dollars. Well, if you multiply the million dollars by 25%, what I'm saying here and now is that you don't have a million dollars in your retirement account, Walter. You and your spouse have 750000 because you have a silent partner in Uncle Sam and Uncle Sam is going to be taking, you know, 25% of every distribution that you and the spouse take for the rest of your life. Now I'm oversimplifying that, but if you really like internalize that and said, Hey, you know what? Charles is right. We don't have a million. We have 750. It would make it a lot easier to write that $22,000 check. So, uh, overthinking, you know, uh, is not a good thing. Uh, you know, we overanalyze things. We get paralysis and we end up doing nothing. Um, not a good thing. And hopefully a good financial advisor like yours truly, and there's other ones out there too, can protect you from yourself and have you see the advantages and the disadvantages and just weigh them and see what's best for you. All good points. And we go to this final one here, tip number five for how to get out of your own way to discover the secret to retirement success, blindly trusting the financial advice of people who aren't financial professionals. Interesting how that's the case, and it's not necessarily a, a bad thing because sometimes people just, you know, it might be a family or a friend, I suppose, Charles, or a family friend or something along those lines where well, we have trust in these people in other areas of life, so why not from the financial perspective? 
Well, again, Walter, like, you know, uh, I hear your point and everyone's different, but I would say this. Uh, I remember a story early in my career um, where uh, you ever get down to the airport and they had the uh, people that shine your shoes, the shoe shiner. So oh, sure. Speak. Yeah. Exactly. All right. So I heard a story years ago that, hey, you know, um, when the, sh the guy shining my shoes, you know, is giving me a stock tip. Now I know it's time to get out of the stock market. Right. <laughs> so, so, so you really have to watch where the information is coming from. And then like, I got like smart brother-in-laws and sister-in-laws, but when a brother-in-law is talking to me about crypto, you know, I mean, you know, I don't care how smart he or she is, or, you know, the reality of it is, is like, you know, I got to like, look at the source and say to myself, does it make sense or not? On TV today, we see a lot of gold and silver commercials. I mean, you know, the rea reality of it is I'm not a big gold or silver investor, but I just know it's an inflation hedge. But, you know, now the commercials are coming out as inflation is, is uh, rearing its ugly head. So, um, you know, obviously you got to look at the source. And I would just say this. I mean, in 2003, and we're talking like, what's it now? 2022. So three from 12, 19 years ago. I got the greatest advice I ever got from anyone. And it was one of my mentors. And he said, Charles, when you're looking at anything, you know, whether it's investments, you know, whether it's any decision you ever have to make, always ask yourself. And the first question is, what are the disadvantages? All right. What are the disadvantages? Nothing's perfect. All right. So jot them down. What are the, what are the two or three disadvantages? And then conversely, what are the advantages? All right. And just like the good old Ben Franklin method, once you understand what the disadvantages are, once you understand what the advantages are, you can make an informed decision if and only if the advantages outweigh the disadvantages. That was the greatest advice I ever got. And I would just say, hey, don't ignore the financial advice you're getting from non-financial professionals, but always ask yourself, A, what are the advantages of what he or she's telling me? And B, what are the disadvantages? And I think you'll arrive at the proper decision once you go through that exercise. The old pros and cons list, but uh, never fails, I think. And that's great points there, Charles. Well, there you go. Secret to retirement success. Get out of your own way. Some practical ways in which you can actually do that for you on today's show. If you've got questions for Charles, want to set up time to meet for a complimentary review of your plan and uh, discover some additional secrets to retirement success with a true financial planner, reach out by calling 610-388-7705. 610-388-7705 or online at cpweldygroup.com. That's cpweldygroup.com. Charles, thanks for all the help today, and we'll look forward to another show with you soon. Thank you, Walter. All right, that's Charles Weldy. I'm Walter Storholt. We will see you next time right back here on Reengineering Your Finances. Financial planning and advisory services are offered through Prosperity Capital Advisors, PCA, an SEC-registered investment advisor. Registration as an investment advisor does not imply a certain level of skill or training. The CP Weldy Group and PCA are separate, non-affiliated entities. PCA does not provide tax or legal advice.